You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his son ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you. And not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf? He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
I think many people outside of Christianity know a couple of the parables. Maybe the parable of the talents, definitely the Good Samaritan, and the prodigal son. And these parables are amazing. I remember one day with a group of Israelis who came during COVID, and I asked them uh, a kind of a, 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 you know, a surprise question as we were explaining uh, one of the mosaics over the other side. And I said, in order to understand the mosaics, you have to know the story behind each mosaic. Here it's Jesus walking on the water, and Peter wants to walk on the water, and he's sinking, and the story goes on. So in order to understand the stories, you need to know where they're coming from. So I would ask them this question, which really was new for them. What kind of literature is the New Testament? And it's very interesting. Uh, they give me all kinds of answers, brilliant answers. And the very first answer was a guy sitting kitty corner from me on the front desk, on the front seat in the corner, and he said, they are short stories. The New Testament literature is short stories. And I thought that's a brilliant answer. And I thought of the prodigal son, I thought of the Good Samaritan, and so many other parables, because they're like short stories that pack so much punch, that have such a transformative impact on human behavior for 2,000 years, and it's not going to stop. So these are absolutely brilliant short stories. Uh, I won't finish the rest of the story about the analysis of the literature, but at the end, the word I wanted, which hardly anybody ever gave me, was the New Testament is Jewish literature, authored by Jewish people about a Jewish expectation, messianic expectation, for originally a Jewish audience and with a Jewish mindset. So it's Jewish literature. So we have these perils of literature that have transformed the world. And it's amazing how they capture the depth of the relationship between us and God. And there are also many other parables earlier. There's also an interesting thing to say about the parables is there's a, a great scholar who comes here every year a couple of times to the Holy Land and he brings groups of students, usually. He's a professor of New Testament studies in, in New York, uh, Steve Notley, and he wrote a book with about 400 parables, an anthology of parables. He's really the expert on that now in the world. And he shows that this literary forum climaxed at the time of Jesus. So there was like 100, 150 years before Jesus, there were lots of parables. It was a very common literary form, and the same after the time of Jesus. So it was like a peak moment of this literary form of parable. And here in this story, uh, Jesus captures so much, teaches so much. And we could spend a long time on it, but we need to connect it also with the first reading of Micah. And I find this so warm, the way he's speaking to God. Shepherd your people, the flock of your inheritance. This means each of us is the inheritance of God. And we can also say that God is our inheritance. We're all going to leave this life at some point. And we leave everything we have to family or whoever. And or maybe the government takes half it in Texas. And then what's our inheritance? Our inheritance in eternity is God. That's an amazing thought. And that God looks 
on us as his inheritance. This is a word from scripture that's very, very telling. It's very revealing about how much God loves us. And I want to share another little thought that I learned this morning. Uh, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead. Everybody knows where Carmel is, right? Carmel is over near the Mediterranean coast, here um, an hour's drive west of here, or less, 40 minutes. And Bashan is right across the lake. It's the Golan Heights in through Syria, and Gilad or Gilead is modern-day Jordan down as far as the plains of Moab, the, the mountains of Moab. So we're actually very close to it. We're in between these three areas. And it's a very farming image about shepherding and looking after his people. And the basic point of this reading of Micah is God throws all our sins into the depths of the sea. God isn't coming. Parents don't come to see the sins of their children. Today, a mother was here in tears in the Encounter Chapel downstairs from Mexico. And she said she was praying for her son who is on drugs. She wants him out. She doesn't want to put him in jail. She doesn't want to see him sick. She wants him restored. And that's just a reflection of God's love for us. And this is what comes across then in the parable. And in the psalm we have this line, for as far as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness toward those who fear him, toward those who reverence him. Biblical fear is not about being scared. Biblical fear is about love. It's about not wanting to hurt the beloved. Maybe you know about this. You know, you don't want to do something that hurts the other person because you love them and you want them to be in the best possible position. So we have very, very beautiful uh, thoughts here. And so the, this uh, younger son goes off with half the inheritance. He squanders it and it's a disgrace for the family and it's a huge loss of property. He's been so selfish. But the father wants him back. He wants him as his son, not just as one of the workers. He's his son. He wants to cover him. He wants a ring on his finger, restore his nobility. And the older brother doesn't. The older brother's heart is, needs to learn about forgiving love. And maybe most of us would relate if we examined ourselves well to the older brother because we always consider ourselves good. The other person is problematic, <laughs> but we're good. And actually, when we're good, when we ourselves prescribe or describe ourselves as good, then we don't have anything to be sorry about. We're okay, I didn't hurt anybody. It's an interesting thing, and we can be hard of heart, and we can be legalistic and very hard on others who are very broken for all kinds of reasons. Thanks be to God nowadays, in prisons, there's a learning curve of realizing that the prisoner in high duty, heavy security, had a very bad childhood normally. And they inherited a path of progressive deterioration morally and criminally. And when we understand that, then how to bring them back, how to recover them. It's an amazing, amazing process. And it's called restorative justice, to restore the person. And so also here, this older brother who did it all right has a lot to learn about the true value of the human being. Like that famous proverb coming from biblical culture is, one human being is worth more than the entire cosmos and even worth more than half the inheritance 
of course. And then the one last thing I'll finish with is with the, this um, prodigal son who comes back. He has to be more loving now. He cannot be so selfish. Not only did he receive everything from the beginning in his life, in his home, but he's been forgiven. And we all have been forgiven. So that should lead us. That's one of the great benefits of repentance, that we learn to become more humble. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.